disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. It's the Disruption Zone. I am Leland Conway. Super excited about today's conversation. We got Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who is suing the governor for shutting down private Christian schools in the state of Kentucky. He is going after the governor in his inconsistency. And this baby is going all the way to the Supreme Court. He got a ruling in his favor at the district level, then a circuit level it went for Governor Bashir. Now he's going all the way to the Supreme Court. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk to Attorney General Daniel Cameron about this case in just a minute. First, though, I want to thank Louisville Cabinets and Countertops for making this Labor of Love podcast possible. Love their sponsorship. They have I have been with them and worked with them for years. They did our kitchen uh, when we sold our house in Crestwood. It sold in one day, and I am confident it was because of how great the kitchen made the whole house look. So if you're thinking about selling your house or if you're thinking about just upgrading your kitchen to get your dream kitchen, you need to call their designers at 502-930-3304 or stop by their showroom at 6200 Hit Lane right there on the border of Louisville and Oldham County. Talk to Kelly, George, or Michelle. They would love to help you with your turnkey kitchen remodel. Or if you're a remo- if you're a uh, contractor or a do-it-yourselfer, man, they've got great, affordable, beautiful, high-quality cabinets in stock for you to pick up. So check out LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com for more information. By the way, when we get started with the conversation here, we're right in the middle of me telling the story I've already told you like a thousand times because I repeat myself of elk hunting. So that's what you're going to hear is right at the beginning. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with the great Attorney General of Kentucky, Daniel Cameron. I looked up and I said, you know, if we ever catch this guy, we're following his trail. I said, we're six miles from the truck. How are we going to get him back? So... <laughs> So, but it was good, man. It's it's good. It's good to talk to you as well. So, uh, I know you got. I know you're short on time this morning, so we can just dive right into it. I'm I'm rolling and everything, and and uh, jump right. into it. Um, first of all, and I'll do the introduction. I'll record it later. So right now we'll just dive into the conversation. So, um, what does it feel like to be an attorney general, having to fight for the things that you're actually having to fight for? I mean. You don't really think of that job as being, hey, I'm going to stand up so kids can go to school. Uh, I'm going to stand up so businesses continue to operate. It's such a weird world we're living in right now. Well, you're you're right. I mean, in many ways, uh, it is surreal. Some of the uh, you know decisions that we we've, we've seen made that 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 really seem arbitrary in terms of what businesses are shut down and what is allowed to stay open. And, and of course, this has been an ongoing conversation uh, since the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, and Leland, I, I think you've heard me say before is, look, I certainly respect the responsibility of the governor, governor and uh, the president and all of our local officials here uh, to keep people safe. Uh, but we've got an equally important responsibility to stand up and defend the constitutional rights of our citizens. And that responsibility falls on the attorney general uh, to make sure that we are standing up for the liberties that all of us hold so dear. Uh, You've alluded to the fact that uh, we are now in the midst of defending the constitutional right uh, for uh, parents all across the Commonwealth to be able to exercise their First Amendment right 
their free exercise of religion in, in sending their children to religiously affiliated schools. Uh, it is, it is um, disappointing in many ways to have a governor who dismissed uh, our uh, guidance uh, in the last few months saying that he should not be in the position of shutting down uh, religious schools. Uh, he dismissed that and decided to shut them down. And again, the responsibility of the attorney general is to stand up for that core First Amendment right uh, that uh, we all hold so dear. Uh, and we, in our judgment, the district court judge here in, in the Commonwealth got got it right when he said that, uh, you know, we hold the Constitution and our Bill of Rights dear and in particular, our First Amendment right, uh, and when he said that he was enjoining the decision of the governor governor to shut down uh, private religious schools, uh, we were very pleased with that decision. Obviously, we had a little bit of a bump in the road at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, but uh, this is a really important conversation and a really important question, which is why we took it to the United States Supreme Court, and which is, uh, I think, really telling that Justice Kavanaugh, who is our circuit judge here uh, in the Commonwealth, has asked for a response uh, from Governor Bashir's team uh, as it relates to this this critical critical question. Uh, so I, 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 it is surreal, uh, but I also recognize the responsibility of this office to make sure that we're standing up for those constitutional rights that everyone holds so dear. You know, we can talk about the inconsistencies across the board uh, in a minute, but just to dive into this particular case. Um, we have multiple, you know, because we've been told, and I think one of the things that drives people nuts about the way Bashir and many other uh, leaders are handling the COVID thing is the inconsistency of it. You know, on one hand, they just found we just found out yesterday that charitable bingo has to be limited to 25 people, even if it has a facility that holds 600. And yet you can go do uh, gambling slot machines because that's what they are. I know they call them historical racing, but they're essentially slot machines. And they're limited to 33%, which means they can still take in 1,000-plus people in some of these facilities. Um, it's that inconsistency that is driving people up the wall. And to this case in particular, you have multiple – we've just listened to the governor telling us for months and months, listen to the science. We have multiple scientists. We have leaders in the White House council that are coming forward. We have people that are high up in the scientific world that are saying – there's no evidence that going to school in person spreads this virus. And yet, here's this inconsistency raising its head. It, it almost feels as though it was a direct attack on the fact that private schools are doing very well. They're not having outbreaks. They're not spreading the virus. And it sort of shows that the public schools should be in session. That embarrasses certain political elements in Kentucky, and the governor's deciding to side with them. I feel like this is all political and religious and has nothing to do with the virus. Well, look, I, I, I think a lot of people scratch their heads, uh, and you've, you've pointed to this pretty, pretty well. The fact that, you know, a, a, a religiously affiliated school has to shutter its doors, but a retail, gambling parlors, movie theaters, uh, you name it, are allowed to stay open. And um, again, it is, is certainly a head scratcher, and it's the reason that in the AG's office, we've been deliberate, obviously, in, right. in making these decisions. Um, but you have to remain vigilant because in, in, in Justice Gorsuch said this recently and uh, General Attorney General Barr has said it recently as well, that even in the midst of a pandemic, 
the Constitution cannot be suspended. And right. we wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. I think uh, the majority of Kentuckians agree with that as well. Yes, we have to be good neighbors and we have to do the things to uh, promote health and, and safety in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, but the consequences of the decisions that are being made here in Frankfurt uh, by our governor are are going to be long term and long lasting. I mean, you look at the list of restaurants uh, and other uh, stores uh, that, quite frankly, have had to shut down because of the decisions that have been made here. Uh, and sometimes you can make decisions here in a vacuum and not know how they will affect everyone in our 120 counties. Uh, and again, in, in our role here in the AG's office, we've got the prime seat at the table in terms of making sure that we defend the constitutional rights of our citizens. And we're going to do that, whether it's on this case or in, in-person worship services, which we've done, whether it was uh, this arbitrary travel ban that was issued at the beginning of the year. Right. Uh, we are going to do the responsible thing uh, to, to protect those uh, rights and liberties that are foundational to this country. Um, where do you think the governor is getting his advice? I, I, I don't want to question his heart. You know what I mean? I, I don't, right. I don't think he stands there and, and doesn't want to save lives. I think he feels an enormous amount of weight on his shoulders having to be the governor in a, in a time like this, just like you as attorney general have to be the attorney general in a time like this. This isn't normal time for anyone. So I don't want to question his heart, but I question the people advising him because I don't know where this stuff is coming from. It's so arbitrary. I mean, and going back to, you know, a point that that, that there was the, yesterday when I t- talked about the re- religious um, charitable bingo outlets. And, and I'm not trying to change the subject here. I'm just saying in t- terms of the inconsistency, the governor's office said in a statement that their decision to apply stricter limits to charitable gaming than to historical horse racing, which is slot machines, quote, and I quote, was made through a legal interpretation by the governor's office of general counsel. Now, that doesn't answer the question. That feels arbitrary. He's not saying, I did this to save lives. He's saying, I did this because I found an interpretation that allows one to stay open and one not. That doesn't make any sense. It's like, if you're going to be a leader, then you can look at the legal potential interpretation, but you can also just lead and just say, you know what? This charitable gaming, which is typically religious in nature, right? It's usually Catholic churches. They can hold 600 people. As long as you keep them six feet apart, everybody wears a mask, and let's say you limit it to 50%. Go for it because that's what you can do with the charitable gaming. It feels like there's an attack on religion when you look at it from based on what the governor's administration is saying, and it just makes me wonder who's advising the guy. Well, it, it is certainly, uh, again, um, confounding in many ways. I mean, look, I, you, you talk about, um, you know, schools in particular, and you recall that just over this past weekend, and I know many of your listeners will as well, and you talk about following the science and the guidance, uh, Dr. Fauci, who has been very prominent in these conversations from the very beginning, even admitted that uh, we've got to get our kids back in school Uh, The CDC has made mention uh, of the fact that schools are incredibly important important to the continued development of our young people. Uh, You know, the the remote learning is just not the same as in-person learning. I mean, there's no question about that. And 
the the fact that based on what the CDC and, and Dr. Fauci have been saying most recently, uh, that schools really are not the super spreaders that people had been concerned about very early on and that right. there can be protocols and procedures in place to keep people safe. In fact, it's one of the reasons uh, that we've been so adamant about protecting the First Amendment rights of, of our uh, our religiously affiliated schools here in, in, in the Commonwealth. Uh, Danville Christian has spent nearly uh, $30,000 uh, to put protocols in place uh, to protect their children uh, and their students. Uh, Lexington Christian has spent nearly $400,000, again, Whoa. to protect their students, their children, uh, because they recognize the importance of doing things that are consistent with the CDC to keep people safe, to be a good neighbor. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that by infringing on this First Amendment right that we all hold so dear, the governor said you can't even have the chance or the opportunity right. uh, to uh, to do things consistent with the CDC. But gambling parlors and uh, retail shops uh, and, and movie theaters, you go right ahead. Uh, and I think uh, to your point, I mean, common sense says something is wrong with this picture. Right. Uh, why are we picking in, in, in a sense? Uh, winners and losers. Uh, government shouldn't be in that business. Unfortunately, I think uh, the governor and his team, to the extent it exists, uh, have been in the business of doing that over the last uh, several months. I, I've been a student of leadership my entire adult life. I've, I used to work in the leadership development industry. I, I'm fascinated with leadership. And I, if I had a minute to sit down with the governor, I would say, dude, what the hell are you doing? Because, because as a leader, you know, the worst thing you can do is be inconsistent because if you want your team and he calls us Team Kentucky, if you want your team to buy into the game plan, then the leader has to be consistent. Newsweek has an article right now, and, and I thought it was interesting that it rose to the level of having to do an article. It lists all of the various mayors, governors and others who have issued COVID edicts and then violated them themselves. And. Again, when we come back to this level of consistency or this idea of consistency, if you want people to buy in, you know, one of the reasons why there's even an anti-mask crowd, like masks make sense to me, uh, Attorney General Cameron, because right. it would slow down, you know, little, yes, sir. whatever you want to call them, particles that come out of our mm -hmm. mouth. But the only reason there exists an anti-mask contingency of people is because originally they told us not to wear them. Fauci, who you just mentioned, was like, don't wear them. He not only said don't wear them, he gave reasons why they don't work. And now they're going back trying to convince everybody to wear them because they do work. So that inconsistency is what leads people to not follow the rules. So in essence, when you're not consistent, you're actually causing more damage in this supposed pandemic than not. Because that causes people to go awry of whatever, you know, teamwork initiatives we can put in place to try to, you know, try to mitigate the spread of this virus. I, no, I, I agree with you. And look, I, I, I've said from the beginning that, you know, I certainly uh, respect the, the idea uh, of team and, and team Kentucky. Uh, and in fact, I've made it very publicly known uh, that this has nothing to do with any sort of personal animus between me and the governor. It's simply the role and the responsibility of the attorney general to make sure that we are being consistent uh, with our constitutional principles and values and the Bill of Rights. Um, and so to the extent we can in this office uh, promote consistency uh, and, and do away with the arbitrariness of some of these decisions that have been made 
uh, we're going to stand as as the the watchman, the proverbial watchman at the gate, if you will, uh, and 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 do our part uh, to stand on those bedrock principles uh, and stand up for the liberty of our citizens. And, and Leland, I, I know you take to the airwaves uh, every day uh, to make sure uh, that that uh, viewpoint is being shared. Uh, and and I'm grateful for you for doing it. I, we appreciate you because I know you're standing up for freedom. What do you think the chances are of a win in the Supreme Court? I know you've you've had some roadblocks from, I think, a politically leaning Supreme Court in Kentucky, but this one's going to the big dog. Um, how do you feel about this? Because this could be a major ruling for Christian schools, private schools across the country if it goes your way. Well, it make, yes, you're exactly right. I mean, this is a this is a big case. Um and what I've been telling people is wait and see. We obviously filed the application for immediate review or consideration with Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, he can, you know, it's really to his discretion what the next steps are. I, I mentioned the fact that he's asked for a response from the governor's team. Uh, I think there are some, uh, some positives to read from a recent decision that was made by the Supreme Court. Uh, the 5-4 decision out of New York, it's, it's been called or is known as the diocese case uh, out of New York that, uh, uh, that was specific to the ability of parishioners and, and congregations and churches in New York to have in-person worship services. In that 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court said, uh, New York, you cannot place, Governor Cuomo, you cannot pr- place uh, limitations on the ability uh, for those in-person worship services uh, to occur because basically he had shut them down. So I think that is a a a, a good harbinger, if you will, for yeah. our case, uh, in the sense that uh, this court has uh, been very vigilant when it comes to protecting uh, our constitutional rights and, in particular, the First Amendment. Uh, so I'm hopeful uh, and optimistic. Uh, but again, we'll respect the decision of the Supreme Court. They obviously have to make their determinations. Uh, in their assessments, but I'm I'm hopeful that they will uh, say at the end of the day that a governor cannot infringe on the constitutionally protected right of a religious school to have in-person uh, service or instruction. Uh, that is our view of it, and I'm hopeful that that will be the Supreme Court's view of it as well. All right, I know i got to let you go. Before I do, one other concern I have about all this, too, is, you know, I don't know about you, but I was so different between my junior and my senior year of high school as a person. And I've told this story to my listeners, so they're all going to get a laugh when they hear it again. But essentially, I had this girl that I had a huge crush on. Um, She asked me to go to the prom because she couldn't find another date that year. She goes with me. She she leaves me with the uh, star of the basketball team. I'm by myself. That was (laughs) crushing to me. That was my junior year. My senior yeah. year, I went back strutting in. I was on the team, and she was my girlfriend. The social <laughs> changes, you know, it's so funny, but it's so true. The social changes that happened to me during the course of that year because of all the events and things and everything that built my confidence, the, the sports that I played, the interactions that I had, it changed who I was. I fear that some kids are going to lose an entire important year of their development, Attorney General Cameron, because we've kept them out of in-person interaction with each other. Yeah, you, you couldn't be uh, more right. I mean, it is incredibly important to the development. I mean, there's so many different. Obviously, the curriculum is important, uh, but uh, as the Christian schools here in, in, in the Commonwealth will let you know and tell you, uh, the uh, connection to a biblical perspective of curriculum, the intertwining of, of, 
math and science uh, with the, the story from the Bible uh, is, in, is incredibly important to the development of these young, young children uh, and help them as they move and matriculate throughout life. So I'm, I'm completely with you. I mean, the changes that happen in the course of a school year, it's unfortunate that, you know, kids across the Commonwealth are losing out uh, on, uh, on developing uh, into our, you know, really candidly, the next civic leaders of yeah. our country. Yeah. Uh, so you lose a year of that. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that we will we will get a favorable ruling from the Supreme Court. Well, I can tell you that myself, and I probably speak for a lot of people, we're glad you're there, uh, Attorney General Daniel Cameron. I know you're a huge supporter of freedom and liberty, and uh, you're proving it every day, and we appreciate you standing up for the First Amendment yet again. Yes, sir. All right. Well, well thanks thank for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Lila. All right. Good luck. We'll be watching that Supreme Court case. Have a great day. All right. You too. All right. Uh, Attorney General Daniel Cameron, guys, he is, <laughs> boy, when you think about Kentucky barely electing this this governor and then so strongly electing the other statewide offices. And you think about Attorney General Cameron and what he has been. Um, honestly, he's been more of a governor than Bashir ever could think of. I mean, I think back through uh, through uh, the the unrest over the summer and his sort of even hand and his justice minded approach to all of that, regardless of the media inflammatory stuff that was going on. There was Kentucky had dumpster fires everywhere, and this guy was just steady pursuing justice. And then with the First Amendment here, just steady pursuing justice. And then with businesses, you know, just steady pursuing justice. I'll tell you what, he's more of a governor than, than Bashir ever dreamed of. But I want to zero in on something in, 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 that we talked about here, and that was the inconsistency side of this discussion. As I said, I am a student of leadership. I used to work for a company where what we did was develop leaders. It was actually my favorite job ever, I, I, even more than radio. I love radio. I love doing podcasts. I love my current job uh, that is loosely associated with the firearms industry. It's a blast. But my most favorite job, my most favorite job ever was developing leaders. And I'm fascinated with leadership. And one of the things that, that we you learn early on, if you're any kind of leader or you're studying any kind of leader, the most important thing, if you want your team to buy into whatever your mission is, is to be consistent, inconsistent leadership, inconsistent with the values that, okay, so let me give you an example. The company I work for right now has an enormously awesome set of corporate values. Those corporate values involve the five H's. It's happy, healthy, humble, honest, and hungry. Now, those are our core values, right? This is what we live by. These are the important things. The other the other rule that we have is you have to roll stuff uphill. You don't talk sideways. You don't talk about somebody. If you have an issue with somebody, go to them directly. Or if you have something that needs to be taken up by a, a superior, take it to them directly. Don't complain about it. Do it. Fix it. Get it done, right? And those values are it, are not only stated on our, our, our walls around the company, they are practiced by our leadership. Okay, so it's consistent. And so you know at whatever level of the company you're at that if you violate these rules, there's consequences because everybody in the company abides by those rules. It's consistent, right? Consistency is leadership in a lot of ways. People who aren't even in positions of official leadership are leaders because they're consistent. Why does Christ call us to live consistently? Oh, I'm getting off on something here now. Why does Christ call us to get to live consistently? He calls us to live consistently because that is leadership. 
If you as a Christian are walking in God's word and you're following his will and you're living consistently, your, your neighbors, the people around you are going to see that and they're going to ask you questions. Why are you this way? Why are you different? And that's where they're going to want to kind of buy into that, right? That's what leadership is. So then coming back to this issue of COVID, it's so ridiculous that these people that are supposedly leading us can't even see this. Newsweek did an article and they actually listed a number of of major leaders who have all defied their own orders. They did a list. The fact that Newsweek had to compile a list should tell you something about the level of inconsistency from our leadership. Austin Mayor Steve Adler did a video telling people to stay home. Don't relax. It's a pandemic. Turned out he did the video from vacation in Mexico. Denver Mayor Michael Hancock, just up the road from me. I live in Colorado Springs. He put out a stay-at-home order, essentially banned Thanksgiving, and he did so 30 minutes before he hopped on an airplane to fly to visit family for Thanksgiving. California Governor Gavin Newsom shut down the state, but just the night before was at a Napa Valley restaurant without a mask, hobnobbing and shoulder-to-shoulder rubbing at a place that costs $450 a plate while you and I are struggling to figure out if we can afford takeout to keep our local restaurant open. And the list goes on. The Washington mayor, Washington, D.C. mayor, San Jose, California mayor, Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who famously donned a a megaphone and not a mask and was not wearing masks and was out shouting and jumping up and down and celebrating Biden's win with people who were shoulder to shoulder, not social distancing. On the same day, she issued a stay-at-home order. Governor Cuomo said, don't be with your families in a video for Thanksgiving. It's terrible. Don't have family gatherings. As he then goes on to mention in the same video that his mother and two daughters are flying in from Chicago. And the list goes on. What do these people have in common? First of all, they're all Democrats. I think that's interesting. But the inconsistency across the board of these leaders who are telling us what to do. Here in Kentucky, Governor Bashir says that we can have 33% capacity, which is plenty to have thousands of people at our casinos, and that's what they are. But we we cannot have but 25 people in a facility that holds 600 for charitable gaming. You can't go to school, but you can go to Rupp Arena. They'll let 3,000 people in there. But by the way, you can't do concessions there. You better order takeout, but you can't sit down and eat. But you can go Christmas shopping on Black Friday, which was last week. The inconsistencies are mind-numbing, right? And people see this, and they see their explanations, and their explanations don't hold water, and it makes no sense, and it's maddening. If you want to be a leader, you have to be consistent. One, you got to abide by your own rules. No one's accusing Governor Bashir of not abiding by his own rules. That's for sure. But he is setting these weird arbitrary rules, and some of them seem to pattern pile up as if he's attacking religious institutions. And I don't think that's his heart. I just think he has really bad, stupid people advising him, and I think he's listening to them. You talk, I talked to the restaurant owner last week. Go listen to the episode of the podcast with Brood the Lexington restaurant uh, that serves coffee and beer, and they have a huge garage door, and they thought, well, patio uh, eating is still available, so they opened their big garage door, made their restaurant a patio. The health department's now suing them. Go listen to that episode. That guy's fascinating. Andrew Cooper Ryder, I think is his name. It's two episodes ago. Go, go, Go download it right away. Go listen to that episode. 
This guy doesn't understand why his only choice is I either lose my business or I lose my business. There's now a petition by restaurant owners, and I think we're going to talk to somebody associated with that in the next week or so, where on December 14th, they said they're opening up whether the governor lets them or not. They're just going to do it because it's just time to end this ridiculousness, this inconsistency. So that's the deal. And here's the bottom line, and I'll say this. I've said this like a thousand times, but I'm going to say it again because I, even though it's repetitive, I think it's super important. We know how to handle this virus. We've known since about three weeks in. 99.5% of people are going to survive. You take that half a percent that are dying, and let's break that number down, okay? Of the half percent that are dying, over half of them in Kentucky are in nursing homes. Almost half of them nationwide are in nursing homes. Now, that means we have a special situation we need to deal with in nursing homes to try to save those lives, okay? But that doesn't have anything to do with the rest of us, okay? So now we're down to a quarter percent. So a quarter percent of the general population is is not surviving this virus, a quarter of a percent. Now, let's break that down by age. And the vast, 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 vast majority of that quarter percent of the general population is over 70 years old. So now we know that we have a problem with that generation and we have to keep them home. Everyone else needs to go about their business because shutting down the economy is killing more people through suicide, through not diagnosing illnesses that are serious, through through depression, through economic destruction. It's killing more people than the economic shutdowns are saving. It's really simple. And, and really, actually, the only way a leader actually needs to approach this is this way, okay? Do the math. And you can do it by now because we've got suicide rates that are up through the roof. We've got economic devastation. We know that poverty kills 22,000 people every day, according to UNICEF. According to UNICEF, 22,000 people die every day from poverty. How much more poverty is added because of this virus shutdown? And let's extrapolate the number of 22,000 people that are actually uh, dead as a result of that. Now let's just add it up and say, well, if we don't shut down, we're going to have 20,000 deaths. And if we do shut down, we're going to have 30,000 deaths because of the economic devastation. And then just come out and say it. Just the governor come out and say, look, I did the math. If we shut down the economy, 30,000 people are going to die, 20,000 from COVID and 10,000 from poverty. If we don't shut down, 20,000 people are going to die from COVID and we're going to save 10,000 lives. We're going to keep the economy open. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. Do the math and the math is going to add up and you need to open the economy. It's that simple. This is not hard. So anyway, um, good good on uh, uh, Attorney General uh, Daniel Cameron for fighting this. And I think he's going to win in the Supreme Court. And when he does, I think that might change some things. Plus, hopefully when the uh, legislature gets back in session, there's going to be some things that they can do to limit the governor's ability to just arbitrarily deem this and deem that. Uh, because it's getting old and it's, 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 it's destroying livelihoods, it's destroying lives, and it's killing people. It really is. And it's got to stop. He's a terrible leader and he's a terrible governor. And he needs to be, as soon as possible, voted out of office. Absolutely no two terms for him. He absolutely needs to be voted out of office. I hope Kentuckians remember this. I think they will. Uh, but when he uh, goes to run for re-election, I think it needs to be an overwhelming rejection of his poor leadership. That's how I feel. That's that's how I feel about it. All right, that's it for me. Uh, again, thanks to uh, Attorney General Daniel Cameron for popping on with us. Hey, I want to thank um, our sponsor to the program, uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, guys. If you're thinking about selling your home and you want to make it look its absolute best, right? What did your parents tell you about Sunday mornings? 
Wear your Sunday best, right? Wear your Sunday best. Why? Look your best. You're going in there, right? You want to look your best. Well, you want to do the same when you're trying to sell your house. So get that kitchen because the kitchen is the heart of the home. It's really the first thing people go look at when they get into a house. They're like, oh, it's a nice house on the outside, but what's the kitchen look like, right? Get your kitchen up to date. Or maybe you're not selling the house and you just want your kitchen up to date because you, you love your house, but the one thing that's missing is your dream kitchen. You could do that too. Louisville cabinets and countertops can take care of it. I don't talk about businesses that I don't fully support. They did our kitchen and master bathroom, and they did a fantastic job. So I fully believe in Louisville cabinets and countertops. They got three designers on staff, Michelle, Kelly, and George. Call them and just talk to them. Or better yet, stop by 6200 Hit Lane and see what they have uh, in terms of examples of their work. Or if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they've got beautiful, high-quality affordable cabinets in stock if you just want them right away or they can talk to you about doing a turnkey remodel. 502-930-3304 or 6200-HIT-LANE. Southern Indiana, Louisville, or Odom County, these are your guys. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Big thanks to my co-producer, co-executive producer, Cameron Mills, uh, and to uh, JP Web Design as well as uh, DX Audio in Lexington for their help. This is a free podcast because of businesses like Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. We appreciate them, but it is a free podcast and will remain so. So you can simply go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iHeartRadio, sign up for the Disruption Zone, subscribe. It's totally free. And then we will push new episodes straight to your phone so you always know when the great Lilando has something important to say or something stupid to say. But you still might want to listen, right? <laughs> so get her done. Find us on Twitter. It's at Leland Show, at Great Lilando on uh, Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Zone Disruption and at The Disruption Zone on Instagram. Thank you all for listening. I am Leland Conway. This is The Disruption Zone.